0: What's going on, y'all? Hey, I checked, and uh, we celebrated Easter two weeks ago, and Jesus is still alive. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, people out there getting uh, uh, drinks and haven't come back in here yet, they're going to think something really, really, um, something has something that's really happened, like, like that they're missing out on. So I'll say it again, and we'll give like, like an even bigger round of applause. Jesus is still alive, y'all. Isn't that cool? Yeah. yeah, so I hey, hate for everybody that missed that out in the lobby, but we're going to go ahead and get into the service today. Hey, if you want to go to Israel with us, we're, we're going in November. We have one more interest meeting, and it's next Sunday at 9.30 uh, here on campus. And so uh, deposits are coming up. We're, we're like at the, at the end, of, end of this kind of just deciding if we want to go or not, period. So there's several people who have paid their deposits. And if you want to go to Israel with us uh, next Sunday, 9.30, Or you can check out all that information on the app. And uh, this coming Saturday, actually, we're going to open up uh, before we get into the sermon. We're going to just pray over this event coming up on Saturday. We're going to be giving groceries out in our community on Saturday. And if you haven't signed up and said that you want to volunteer and help, uh, there's still room. There's still things you can do. And so you can do that on the app. You can do that out in the lobby today. But um, we have groups of people praying, we have groups of people, we've got some, if you want to go pass out flyers and just let people know about it, we've got opportunities for that. We've got grocery baggers, all that kind of stuff. We've got a huge tractor trailer full of groceries coming on Friday night, that will be parked, and then Saturday morning we're unloading that thing with forklifts and pallet jacks and Strong people, and we're going to be uh, organizing all that, and we've got this this day planned out at East Albemarle with area churches. And can I tell you something? It's going to be a blessing to the community, but this pastor kind of has has this other um, value to it. This is a discipleship moment for our church. This this is God doing something in us as we reach out of ourselves to others. And I'm I'm really I'm really looking and listening to what what's happening in the conversations through this whole thing so will you join me in prayer God we got this event coming up and it's not about us at the same time you're going to do things in us that deepen our walk and our love for you and so God we pray uh over this event next Saturday uh please God keep the rain away for Saturday bring it on Friday bring it on Thursday bring it next Sunday but keep keep it away Saturday morning we we, we want to have such an impact on the community over there by East Albemarle, in the name of Jesus. We want to cook all the hot dogs. We want all the kids to wear the bouncy houses out. We want to just have a shred of the kingdom of heaven just in our interactions with people. So God, you're speaking to us, and we're going to respond. And we're going to lean in. So God, we pray your continued favor. And over the stories and the people and the lives that open up, give us a big imagination. Give us the imagination of your kingdom. You find lost things. You redeem and you restore broken things. And you resurrect dead things. It's who you are. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name, say amen. amen. Uh, quick report, again, last thing I'll, I'll say before I get into the sermon. Got a lot of, like, prelim stuff today, sorry. Um, about $13,000 has come in for our One Day to Feed the World offering. That's pretty cool. Yeah, isn't that awesome? So we're sending that off to Convoy. Somebody here wants to write a check for two grand just so we'll hit our, our goal. That's awesome. Write it for uh, Hope Fund here at Albemarle First Assembly. We're in a series called Of Two. Say, Of Two. We are not just a church of things, we are a church to things. We are not just a church to hurting people, as Pastor Bo preached last week. We are a church full of hurting people. Raise your hand if you know somebody in this church that's hurting today. Yeah, just go ahead. Maybe you're that person. We we are full of hurting people. Today we're talking about of and to, and we're going to be talking about we are a church not only to the next generation. We don't just have kids ministries and youth ministries we are a church of the next generation and what's the difference there well here's the difference we're not just a church that provides a service for people of a certain age we're a church that if you look at our leadership and you look at the people who serve in this church and who make up this church we're an intergenerational church Uh, most people don't know it but most of the wizards that work in the background and on the media team and uh, even in the kids ministry in different places, uh, some a lot of them are teenagers, and they're making things happen, uh, and and it's pretty cool. They're not they're not just sitting back, just consuming. We've we've got teenagers all over this place that are just just serving for Jesus and reaching out, and so we're going to talk about that today. And there's so many stories in Scripture about young men and women who are called by God. Our text for today is going to come out of Luke chapter 5. So if you got a Bible, Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the seat back in front of you. Or there's free apps on your phone. And you can pull that out and you can go to Luke chapter 2. I mean Luke chapter 5. Excuse me. Luke chapter 5. There's so many people in Scripture that have been called by God at a young age. I think of Samuel, who was called by God at the age of 12. Or Ruth, who somewhere between the ages of 14 and 19 is when she married Boaz, and her story of redemption took place in the Old Testament. I think of David. A lot of people know of David, David and Goliath, King David. He was anointed as king somewhere between the ages of 10 and 15. Prophet Jeremiah where some of those famous words are found in the prophets of old, how I knew you before you were formed in the womb, those kinds of things. The prophet Jeremiah started prophesying at 20 years old. Think about that. If you had a 20-year-old come up to you and start prophesying, I mean, would you, would you accept that or would you treat it with cynicism? Heck, if anybody came up to you and started prophesying. Yeah. 20 years old. God's speaking through Jeremiah. You think of Mary, the mother of Jesus, somewhere between 12 and 14 years old when Gabriel visits her. And she says these words, my soul magnifies the Lord. Think of the boy Jesus at 12 years old teaching in the temple. What astonished the Pharisees and the religious scholars. I'm sure his content was good. But scripture says that the authority with which he spoke amazed them at such a young age. I want to encourage you. If you see young people around you, God's speaking to them. Young people in this room right now. And like, who are the young people? The ones that are willing to identify as young people. Who are the old people? The ones that are willing to identify as old people. That's how we we gauge it. But teenagers... Kids, God's speaking to you. And there's this pattern in Scripture where God spoke to tweeners and teenagers and young adults. There's this pattern that we see over and over and over where God was saying something to that generation that was coming behind the one that was currently in power or had the most money or however we define all that stuff. And somehow, as the church of Jesus, if we don't remind ourselves of this pattern in Scripture, if we don't remind ourselves of how God speaks to the young, what did Jesus say? Blessed are the little children. You need to, you need to be like kids with me, he says. If we don't remind ourselves of these patterns, here's what happened: we become thirty, and forty, and fifty, and sixty, and seventy, and eighty. It was an eighty-year-old's birthday party yesterday. It was crazy. People were. It was. It was a crazy party, y'all. We get to these ages of maturity, and we think we got it all figured out, or that we've arrived, or that. We can't learn anything from the previous or the, the next generation. I want to challenge you today. You're going to hear from some teenagers. I want to challenge you and pray a prayer. God, what do you have to say to me through what she's saying, through what he's saying? Because I believe that no matter what your age, no matter where you're at in life, that God speaks through people. Our verse for today comes from Luke chapter 5, and it's, our, our text is going to start in verses 36. 36. And it says this, no one cuts up a fine silk scarf to patch old work clothes. I mean, it's a pretty presumptuous statement by Jesus here in Scripture. But anybody here taking a very fine scarf or a very fine piece of fabric and just, you know, patched up your mowing the grass pants with, with that? No, we don't do that. You want fabrics that match, and you don't put wine and old cracked bottles. Now, now listen, we're, we are the church in the conservative armpit of America, and we, if we do drink, we don't admit it, okay, first of all. If, if, people, if people here in the South do drink, they don't let other people know. We we have, in the Assemblies of God especially, we have rules that say we don't use alcohol. You know, we, we have, so we, like, 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 Jesus is talking about wine and crack bottles. You're like, oh, I don't know about all that. Some of y'all know about that more than, than, than you And And so, repress your amen, because you don't want people judging. You know, this is Albemarle and everything. But, but Jesus is using, Jesus is using Jesus is using real life here. He says, you don't put wine in old cracked bottles. What do you do? And if you've got a problem with the usage of wine here, take it up with Jesus. He's talking. You get strong, clean bottles for your fresh, vintage wine. Fresh, vintage, that's an interesting choice of words. And no one who has ever tasted fine, aged wine prefers unaged wine like this 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 entire context and what Jesus is saying here is that you you don't take old things stuff that you find on the side of the road and repair them with new things you don't you don't take old tires and get patches out of new tires and put on them you don't you don't take Those things and do that and and there's a context like everything in scripture there's a context there's a reason Jesus is saying these things there's a reason he's saying these things because what has happened before this moment there has been this big miracle where all of these fish have been caught Jesus has called out he has called Simon Peter to be one of his disciples there's been a leper a very sick skin condition person been healed there's been the healing of the paraplegic. This story about a, a, a man who could not walk, who has been let down through the roof into the house, like that has recently happened. Jesus has called Levi, Matthew, a tax collector, someone, someone who is called a deplorable. Jesus has welcomed him into his band of brothers. And not only that, Jesus has been having dinner parties with people of bad repute people that you don't want to be seen around with. All of those things have been happening. And in verse 33, one of the things that lead up to this, they asked him, the disciples, and, and, and all of these people are all around Jesus, and the religious people asked him, John's disciples, who John's another prophet, John's a contemporary of Jesus, John baptized Jesus, they asked him, John's disciples are well known for keeping fasts and saying prayers. Also the Pharisees but you seem to spend your time at parties. Why? Like, That's a good question. Like all these other religious guys seem to have all these disciplines and all these things, but Jesus, you seem to be spending your time you know, from the, no, uh, you know, clubbing, I'll say it that way. Three of y'all got that joke. Jesus, you you seem to be spending your time not doing the disciplined-looking things that we see all these other people doing. And how does Jesus answer? He gives this picture of that if you want something new, you you, you don't do it with the things of old. It's, It's not that what has come before is bad but it's unable to hold to something new. This principle by Jesus is is simply a big truth and main point that that we have to embody as the church of Jesus because he makes all things new. He makes all things what? He makes all things. Those of us who are octogenarians and 80-year-olds, 90-year-olds in our bodies, hallelujah, he makes all things new. Some of, some of you are in your 50s and 60s and 70s and you need a replacement of a body part. Some of you have received one. He makes all things new. Hallelujah to Jesus. Some of you are in your 30s and your 40s and you've already got some regrets that you want to turn around and you're like, man, I just wish, oh, I just wish we could. He makes all things new. Some of you teenagers are wondering what is going to be the world in the next 10 to 15 years that you Are a part of. Can I tell you something? Through you, he makes all things new. If you want something, here's the big principle. If you want something alive and moving, then you have to have a new container to handle it. Will you read that with me? If you want something alive and moving, then you have to have a new container to handle it. It can't look the same, feel the same, be the same. Can principles from the past make their ways into the future? Absolutely. But the things that have been done before that got you to this point are never really going to be the things that get you to the preferred future or the future or the kingdom or the things that God has for you. He is creating all things new. And Jesus is giving them a new paradigm, a new way of thinking He's stretching them. Jesus is spending time at parties and is spending time with people of ill repute and is healing the wrong kinds of people because Jesus is so concerned about the one. He's so concerned about the lost sheep, the lost coin, the people who aren't around the table. And here's another big truth, and this may step on some toes, so... You know, maybe curl your toes up a little bit if you don't want to get stepped on. But if you want to see a church die, then set that church up only to be led by a pastor and people older than the pastor. Don't let anybody younger than the pastor or the people who have been there forever into the leadership. Gang, we are one generation away from Albemarle First Assembly, not existing. We are always one generation away. What do you mean? I mean that if the next generation, if the kids and the teenagers of today aren't a part of the leadership and the fabric and the design and the unity of this church today, we should not be surprised when they're not with us in 10 years. That's what I mean. We have to, we must, constantly be asking the Holy Spirit, what is it? What must we do? What does the new wine look like? And if you don't want to use wine as the metaphor, use grape juice, okay? That's what we do in communion. What is the new thing where do we go with this? What in me needs to be laid aside for the betterment of the kingdom of God in this place, for this community, for God's world? New wineskins. There's, there's three new wineskins I want to submit to you today. This, this, this sermon today is a lot of vision casting, and it's a lot of jesus I'm going to do a lot of the vision casting, and I'm going to have some of the teenagers and younger people in our church do some of the Jesus. And then we're going to pray, and then some of y'all are going to decide between this fish house or that fish house or whatever the dance is. But I want to, I want to give you some new wineskin, some vision kind of language. Here in our church, there's, there's a lot of opportunity to, to be a place of light for our community. One of, one of the things that our board has been praying over for the past two to three years is, God, we have this space and we have this love for the next generation. What are, what are we going to do with these things that you've given us? And on May 7th, say May 7th. On May 7th, we're going to have a shorter service and we're going to have a family meeting at 1130 that day. So if you call AFA home, and if you're a member, and if you care about the future of AFA, that meeting is a family meeting for you. And we're going to be talking about specifically some different programming and some different things that we're going to be inviting on the campus, and we're going to be doing over the next several years. And we're also going to be talking about, hey, there's this gap from where we are to where God's calling us. How is he going to address that with us? And a lot of that has to do with finances and where our church will be going over those years. So, long-term vision, I'm just going to put this out there. Family meeting. What day? May 7th. May 7th. There you go. Here's the next thing. Michaela, join me up here. Uh, we are creating a new position. I talk about new wineskins. You've got to have something new. We are creating a position on our pastoral team that does not exist yet. And the name of this position is a next-gen worship and arts pastor. And the goals for this and the vision for this, so we're going to get into here in a minute, but I want to introduce you to our next-gen worship and arts pastor, Michaela. She is, she, oh, you got fans. Look at that. They're standing. We can get the cameras to pan around to the four people that are standing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, those of you that aren't standing, it's fine. You'll, 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 she's great. Um, but uh, <laughs> where am I going? What am I doing? Um, Michaela, you graduate from Southeastern this coming Friday, and we've been talking for a while about what your next step in ministry is. Give us, give us an idea of what you hope to see happen and what is, what is this new role that we're creating? Why does it matter?
1: Yeah. Um, something I love about this role is that we are creating it from scratch and this is, specific and special to afa so we get to make it what we want with god alongside of us and so
0: well with, with god directing with us god directing he's us, not yes. an adult we're a side you know. god
1: we're, we're <laughs> beside God. so um i think in the next year i would love for um my relationship with the youth and with the next gen to grow and i think um just kind of coming up under them and and beside them and leading them and being their big sister basically and helping them i think Especially for me when I was, you know, a teenager and growing up, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And these kids, these kids come into this church and they're gifted and they're skilled and they're talented, but they don't know what to do with it. And so I think um, just building these teams for the next generation and helping them to cultivate what God's called them to and, and helping them to build that um, in their own life and then with this church. I think it's going to be really, really exciting.
0: So specifically, what is that going to look like? Is that going to look like different worship teams? I know we've been talking about some fine art stuff. Give us a little yeah. specific language so, for that. So
1: um, practically week to week, I'll get to work first with Bo, then with Jackie and the elementary kids ministry, and then moving forward from that, that's that's a lot. And so you're going to start working now. with Bo in youth yeah. ministry
0: with the teenagers? Yeah. Okay. So week
1: to week, we'll um, we'll be working to build a media team, specifically for the youth. We're going to build a worship team. We're going to implement some of the things that we do here on Sunday mornings. In the adult services, we get to show them, you know, what that's like, and they get to lead those teams. And um, I think it's it's really important to know that <clears throat> I want to build something, and, and we want to build something as a church that's going to outlive us and to grow past what we can do for it. And that's what these kids are going to do. They're going to come in, and they're going to lead these teams, and they're going to they're going to grow, and they're going to, you know, um, see what God wants to do with them for them
0: so it's this it's this vision this big big vision that in our church we're going to have intergenerational worship teams yeah. and they're going to minister all across the spectrum of ministry here in our church not just on a platform on Sunday morning but in all the different areas of ministry but you'll be seeing more teenagers probably on Sunday morning as well right yeah, yeah. and that'll, that'll also start feeding in over the next couple years. Into worship services or worship teams, leading and training kids ministry.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So, talk to us really quickly about fine arts. What do you? Yeah. What's um, your role going to be with that?
1: So, <clears throat> if, for those of you who don't know, the uh, Assemblies of God district-wise and nationally, they have a—they call it a competition, but it's really—it's—it's it's more than that. Um, and so, every year they have this fine arts festival, and kids come. And they perform you know music, they sing, they dance, they write, they act they it 's so much more than just singing and playing an instrument they, um, they bring what they have, they bring their talents and their gifts in this fine art um, category, you know whatever it may be photography, all these things, and they they showcase it to judges and they get feedback and um, those who are judged they uh, potentially have the opportunity to go to the national level. And at the national level, they receive scholarships and they receive merit badges and they receive medals and, and recognition for their gifts and talents that God's given them. And I think it's, it's great.
0: So part of, part of this role for you is to basically take what we're doing in everyday discipleship and worship yeah. and help translate that into value-add programs with worship arts and with fine arts that add into these kids' lives in practical ways. Right. Yeah, giving them a platform and giving them an opportunity to grow past our church. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Isn't this a cool vision? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Thanks, Michaela. You can have a seat. So let's get into the teenagers part of this service. Okay, I want to invite Eva Claire and Teddy and Susanna and, and Lucy up here. These are some of the students that are these are the students that went to fine arts this year. And, yeah, give it up for them. Did they give you all a microphone? They did not give you a microphone. You're going to have to yell. Yeah, come here, bring me the microphone. You can, okay, I'm just here. So, um, three, of these, three of these students preached a sermon. And the sermons have to be, I mean, they, they have all these, res- like, restrictions in their competition and stuff. They have to be five minutes long. They have to be this, they have to be this, they have to be this. To be this. We're, you're going to hear these sermons today because they're, they're really short sermons but they pack a pretty powerful punch. Uh, But one of these students created an art piece. And so what I want to do over these next several minutes is just showcase these with you and for you to hear the heart and the intention behind this. Lucy, come here. I want to ask you a couple questions about the art piece. When you walked in, isn't this one just the best? I love this one a lot. Um, She's mine. So, um, and hers. We both own her. And... um, But there's an art piece when you were walking in. I don't know if you noticed it or not. But uh, this is the piece that Lucy took a photograph of. And Lucy, tell us if it has a name or maybe you're deciding on a name. But tell us what you should be able to just talk into it. They do all the magic over there. No? Yeah, they're a bunch of mean people sometimes. You got to turn it on, he says. They handed you a mic that was not turned on. I'm so sorry. All right, there we go. So this art piece... You have a name, you have a concept for it. Tell us, tell us about it. Like, what inspired you to, to create this?
2: Um, it's called The Beauty all around, all around Us. And it's supposed to, um, I was really interested in photography my whole life, to be honest. And it, it, to be honest, I wanted to just try it. And it turned into something that I really enjoyed. Mm. and
0: so what's what's the significance of of the photo there because did you edit this did you like create this in some kind of software or is this just like a straight up photo
2: well I took the photo but then there was a few filters that I used a
0: few filters okay so tell tell us like is there a meaning behind it for you
2: um I use the verse Ecclesiastes, er, Ecclesiastes 311 which says that it God has made everything beautiful in its own time, yet nobody can fathom what he has done from beginning to end. So it's kind of supposed to be a stop and smell the flowers and just enjoy all the good things while the bad are going on.
0: Mm. That's pretty cool. Out of the 75 to 100 um, entries at Fine Arts statewide, this was, what place did this one come in? Third. Third. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Really cool all these students were invited to nationals by the way which is pretty cool all right thanks lucy we're done who's preaching first over here susanna all right susanna helms everybody preaching i'll take it yeah preaching her sermon then i'm going to ask you a couple of questions about the sermon when you're done okay um
3: think about this did god have trust in his people that they'll follow his rules and do the right thing I play basketball with my middle school team at Carolina Christian. When we, when we start the games, I have a lot of trust in my teammates and my coach that they'll make the right plays and the right choices. My coach trusting my team to do the plan he gave us is just like God trusting us to listen to his plan. Our coach is telling us what to do just like God's telling his people what to do. My coach is trusting that they'll listen to the plan just like God does for his people. What happens next is up to us. Are we going to complete the plan Coach told us to do or not, or are we going to listen to what God told us to do or not? God always knows what's happening next. He knows the plans he has, and he knows whether or not you're going to listen to the plans or do your own. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans, for, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I have plans to give you hope and a future. I saw this in my life last year. I was in fifth grade, and I was wondering something, but God knew what was, ha- was going to happen in the end. And, while, and when I was in fifth grade, I was in PE class, and my friends were talking about how they were going to play a new sport. Before I took on a new sport of basketball this year, I played soccer for about three years. But my friends were talking about how they were going to play a new sport like basketball, soccer, softball, and volleyball. When they asked me if I was going to play a new sport, I said no. One year later, I was talking to God, and he told me that I would play basketball. God knew what was happening in the future for me before I did. I just had to put my trust in him. Now I play basketball, and we made it to a championship. Our God can do powerful things. You just have to trust in him. He knows what's best for you. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have any friends who haven't came to God yet, I challenge you to tell your friends or family that I serve a powerful God who can do amazing things. And all you have to do, is trust in Him. Proverbs three five through six says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight." I want you to know that God does amazing things when you trust in Him. He will make your path straight, and all you have to do is trust in Him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this people in this room right now. We thank you that we are able to trust in you and in your amazing ways. God, we give you praise and glory for what you are going to do for this people in this room right now. We love you and give you thanks for being, a ch- being able to trust in you. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you. Don't leave. Don't leave. No, no, we're going to talk. Um, so, listening to listening to your short sermon there, it was pretty clear that one of your one of the things that inspired you seemed to be like you heard from God. Yeah. Can you tell us like? Like, what, what inspired you to write that the way that you wrote it?
3: So, like, during basketball season, like, I didn't, I felt like I was just putting my trust in, like, basketball. I didn't feel close to God
4: mm-hmm.
3: during that. And so, like, at the end, I felt closer to God. And so, I kind of knew that I wanted everybody to know, like, my part of my story and oh. how, like, it inspired me. And I want people to know that it's okay, trust in God, whatever you're going through.
0: So... It's okay. It's to trust in God whatever you're going through. Is that is that like the big message you want everybody here to to kind of take in? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you sharing it with us today. You're welcome. Thanks a lot.
4: You're
0: welcome. You ready? Eva Claire Helms, everybody, with her sermon.
5: Good morning. So I love the brand Nike. They make some pretty cool shoes and they're a great athletics brand. But one of the things I love most about the company is the catchphrase, just do it. Can you say that? Just do it. You see, as people, we will say one thing, but do the contrary. The dictionary word is hypocrite. You see, what I've noticed is we can match our shirt to our shoes, but not our words to our actions. As Christians, we have excelled at this skill. We're going out and preaching the gospel all day long, but our actions and words aren't quite matching up. We need to begin taking the action, though. We are told in John 13, 7, it says, Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. There's a whole world of hurting people out there, guys. All of them need to be saved. And we were told that when they get saved, we will be blessed when doing so. But what is holding you back? From spreading this amazing glove that Jesus has. Is it fear? Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you to be courageous? Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For some of us, it's the past. Isaiah forty three eighteen. 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And for others, it's what people are saying. Jesus is the one we need to be listening to, though. But why can't we take the stand publicly for Jesus? It is our job as Christians to do so. We were given the Great Commission. You see, he died for a cross on you. He humiliated himself in front of an entire town. Nobody else has taken nails for you. And I haven't seen anybody lately wearing the crown of thorns for you. So just step out in faith and do it. Because if you don't, who will? I saw this in my life. In 2018, my cousin, Addie, was born in January. But she was born with a hole in her heart, she never developed eyes, and had trisomy 13. Sadly, four months later, she passed. But everything happens for a reason, right? You see, it was a tragic experience for my entire family. And we had all thought my uncle was saved, but we never just took the action and asked. You see, it took this tragedy happening for us to be able to go out and minister to him. We got a call from my aunt a couple months later saying, Hey, your uncle is getting baptized Sunday, and he would like you to be there. We attended the baptism. But as sad as it is to say, if my cousin wouldn't have passed, would my uncle have ever been saved? If we don't step out and just do it and share the gospel, nobody is ever going to get saved and the entire world needs to be saved. I want you to think about this. If the rapture was to come right now, would you know somebody who wasn't going up to meet Jesus? You see, we're getting closer and closer to the end times, and we never know when somebody is gonna leave us. So why can't we just step out and do it and ask and take the action to tell them about Jesus? Because everybody needs to be saved. So when we go out and we're winning souls for Christ, we need to put ourselves aside. Because if I know, if I was to do it, I'm going to be like, oh, they're nice. They're okay. They look like they're struggling. They might need some Jesus. Or, oh, they, they aren't the nicest person. and eh, They don't need as much Jesus as these other people do. But that's not what Jesus died for. He died for the ones who get up and go to church every single Sunday. He died for the ones who are getting ready and put together. He also died for the ones who are crying at night, though. He died for the ones who are getting up too late to go to church. And he also died for the ones who are making unforgivable mistakes every single day, but never asking for forgiveness. So as you leave this room and go back out into the real world, I want you to remember these three points. Number one, Jesus died to forgive you publicly, the least you could do, and shout his name from the rooftops. Number two, in a world full of hurting people, be the light of Jesus. Because if you weren't, who will? You might be the only Bible somebody will ever read. And number three, you aren't winning souls for your glory, you're winning them for his. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for every single person in this room. I pray as they go back out into the real world that you remind them that you are with them. Work through them for your glory. Amen.
0: Amen. Good job. So what, what was it like creating the sermon? Like, what, what inspired you to go in this direction for it?
5: I, um, it was like a month before, um, Fine Arts, and I realized, um, Fine arts was getting really close, and I had no idea what I was going to preach on. Last year's subject came to me really easily.
0: Oh, so this wasn't your first sermon, right? No.
5: But this year I was, like, struggling to find a topic. Mm. And we're getting really close to the end times, and there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now. (laughs) And it made me realize that not everybody is saved. Mm. And it kind of, like, hurt to know that because... Like, my friends could not be saved and I'm not asking them though so like if I were to die right now would I see them in mm-hmm. heaven and it just kind of like hit me like that and I was like everybody needs to know about this
0: yeah so so with this crowd here today like when you when you were praying and you were just thinking about today what's the, what's the one thing that you want this crowd to take away
5: I wanted them to realize like what was going on, what's happening, and that somebody could leave you at any moment, Mm. and that you don't have forever, so why wouldn't you take the action right now? Because Jesus took the steps and died for you, so why wouldn't you save souls for his glory?
0: Mm. Might be a gift of evangelism there. You ready man yeah. all right y'all teddy morton give it up for teddy
6: around a year ago at this time one of my pastors asked me to speak at fine arts and let him know what my topic would be but i had no idea that was until december 24th 2022 when my topic had revealed itself to me that morning my father had passed away as i reflect on my life so far I noticed that there's one thing that's consistent, one thing that keeps me strong, restores my faith. It's God. That morning, I woke up to my mom screaming that my dad had passed out. I run into their room to find my dad unconscious on the floor. The 911 operator tells us to roll him over, but I just couldn't. I just stood there in shock. Thankfully, my brother and mom were able to, but I just ran to my room as the paramedics arrived. I started scrolling through TikTok, texting my friends, listening to music, but nothing calmed me. Anxiously skipping through these videos, messages with no response, and even music didn't soothe me. I tried to find an escape from my situation. I had forgotten who was with me all along. I then started to pray. But I prayed, keep him alive, God, instead of he's in your hands because the thought of him not being in my control, what I wanted him to be, sickened me in my stomach. When the paramedics pronounced him dead, I cried, but then I got a feeling of peace because my father had almost died three years ago. So for him to be alive for another two and a half was a miracle within itself. I'd been preparing for this moment for two years. I just hadn't known it because you don't realize what you have until you lose it. Romans 8.18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. I know he's in a better place that morning my mom said to me i asked what he was doing when i saw him on the floor and he goes i'm sleeping those were his last words i realize now just as i had realized then that will be the best rest he's ever gotten revelation 21 4. he will wipe away every tear from their eyes there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away god tells me that my pain now my sorrow my grief Is not forever. He tells me to celebrate my father instead of crying my eyes out over him. I started to think about the good that will come. People surrounded me. My family was brought together. For years, my mom struggled to connect with my aunts, and now they are able to communicate. I developed an even closer bond with my cousins. My friends, they cried with me and were there for me. I've decided now that I choose to not let sorrow define me, I do not let grief define me. I do not let pain define me. Because when someone thinks Teddy Morton, I don't want them to think, oh, that's the kid whose dad died. I want them to think of someone who is celebratory. I want to be known as someone of kindness. I want to be known as joy. I wandered through those nights wondering what could have been. But now I think about the glory that is yet to come. Amen.
0: So speaking for a lot of people in this room who've lost somebody close to them. Um, at such a young age, can you can you tell us like, what it was? What is it like for you, to come f- through grief to this moment where, you, like you actually said, I don't want to be identified or labeled, as the kid whose dad died. I, I want people to see joy I'm I'm like I'm hearing that I'm thinking the joy of Christ the joy of what what he promised all these things can you can you tell us like there's a bridge from 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 the like the grief is still there right I mean like it doesn't go away it's not like you're saying no more crying no more grief but there's this very real inspiration that you have going going from one place to another does that make sense Can you you talk to us a little bit about that?
6: Um, So I had this friend, her name is Sadie, and she also lost her dad, like, in November of 2021. Mm. And um, people do not see her as the girl whose dad died. People see her as a girl who is happy and a girl who is kind. Like, she was one of my biggest inspirations, and she actually gave me those verses.
0: Mm.
6: Yeah, and um, she she was just a really big inspiration, and she's helped me a lot through this process.
0: So you would say it's been the people of God and the words of God that have really helped bridge from 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 grief to live like living this life where like joy is you're you're just like determined joy is going to be a part of my life definitely um, with these people here today what what do you want what message do you want them to walk away with if you could just boil it down to one truth for them
6: your grief is not forever and you are not alone in it.
0: Wow, It's good. Thanks, man. Hey, I, I, since we got some teenagers up here, I want to ask them one question, and I've asked them to be a l- little bit unfiltered on this, uh, because I just want us to hear what they have to say here, and so we can start there and come this way, I guess. But for our church, can you give us some advice on what we can do as a church to encourage your generation to give you opportunities to um really just help help you in your walk with jesus and and other other teenagers like you
6: um i think that the biggest part of like our generation is just to listen to us because y'all's generation often talks about our generation but i think the problem with y'all's generation is that you can hear but you don't listen
0: Could you be a little more direct? <laughs> All right, Eva, Eva-Claire, what do you have to say?
5: Um, I think, like.
0: I thought I was going to step on toes today. Was, <laughs> go for it, man.
5: Um, I think we are told, like, because our generation is a struggling generation. There is a lot of hurt that's going on, but we mask the hurt and we'll paste on the smile because we don't want anybody to see it. But I think saying that you're there for us and saying, like, this is a safe space and stuff is one thing. But actually taking the action and being like, hey, let's meet and just, like, talk about life. Or, hey, and let's carry a conversation about, like, what's been going on lately. But actually, like, taking the motion to check in on the people and carrying conversations and meeting with them. But, like, when you do that, we need somebody for us to be able to talk to and y'all to listen because we get a lot of input on the struggles but nobody's actually listening to them and positive affirmations is one of the big things honestly because we get looked down upon a lot I feel like and positive affirmations are just like good no matter what but I know I feel better like when somebody tells me, "Oh, hey, you're doing great," or like you're amazing, it just like brings my spirits up. And
0: well, I think you're I think great. Thank you. <laughs> um, just really quick, um, the thing the thing that I really heard both of you say, obviously about the listening, um, you know, there's there's this there's this thing out there when something bad happens, somebody will say thoughts and prayers, or if you need me, call me. What I hear y'all saying is, okay. If you need me, call me, or I'm here for you. Just reach out. Y'all are actually saying, reach out. Don't don't wait for me to come and ask you, you know, and, and 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 say, please help. Like, literally, reach out. We we want you to ask us to to coffee, to ice cream, to whatever, and and to just be and to talk, and not necessarily to give advice, but to listen. Right? Yes. Okay.
5: Because. But I know for me personally, like I'm if I'm like upset or something, I'm not personally going to reach out to the people who have told me like they're there because I'm not one of those people who's going to be like, oh, hey, I'm upset about this. Like and then go and tell the person, hey, let's talk about this. I'm just like not going to show the pain
0: because you've got this this guard yeah. thing and the smile thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. That you talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very vulnerable of you to share.
5: And so I think that actually doing <clears throat> it is going to help majorly with, like, the weight that we are carrying. And it's, it's like, the weight won't go away, but it helps, like, relieve the stress that mm. something's causing.
0: Yeah. Susie, how about you?
3: Um, I, one thing is, like, then, like, just listen to us because, like, some of us may be holding in some anger or something, like, mm. we want to get it out, but, like. I know some of us, like, me personally, I don't like going to my family and talk, talking about it. I like going to, like, my friends or, like, somebody. And so, like, just listening to us. Yeah.
2: Just, yeah. Listen. I see a
0: common theme. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: All right, Lucy, what you got?
2: Is it just in general or the church?
0: Oh, uh, let's keep it with the church.
2: Okay. Um, I said mostly what I wrote down was to keep an open heart mind and door, so to let everybody in and not just the people who look like they're okay because all these people are looking and searching for themselves, and they change everything about them until they can't anymore, and when they can't, they join others who are lost, and the others who are lost lead them to worse things, and so we need to be open to listen and just let them in.
0: Hey, can can we take a minute and just pray for these teenagers and the other teenagers and 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 then I want to pray for you before we before we close the service. Um just in a kind of a spirit of unity, would you all stretch your hands towards these teenagers? They're going to s- sit in and stand in for all the other teens here. In the name of Jesus, I pray God's mercy over each one of you. I pray the um I pray, I pray the favor of God on you. I pray that same prayer that Paul prayed over churches, that every gift and every promise and every calling that he has for your life would not only come to fruition but would thrive in the name of Jesus. I pray for your friends, I pray for your enemies. I pray for the God that we serve to continually be larger than any of the problems or hurts or grief. I pray for the weight and the pain that your generation carries. Knowing that every generation carries a certain weight and a certain pain, but this one's yours. I believe that God's going to give you strength. I believe he's going to increase your faith. I believe that the God of heaven is going to use you, not only in the faith that he builds in you, but in the words that he speaks through you, the inspiration that he gives you. And I believe that with the love for Jesus and the humility that you have, that there's there's nothing you won't be able to accomplish for God's kingdom. Whatever he calls you to, whatever he gifts you with, you'll walk into it full-bellied, wide-eyed, breathing deeply. And I thank you so much for sharing gift with us our church needs your gifts the people in this church needs your sermons and your art and your love and your prayers all over this room I believe that God has spoken to some of you with heads bowed and eyes closed I just want to pray over a couple of things some of you may have actually heard something from God today. Maybe God spoke something to you through the words of these teenagers. If you heard something from God's spirit, maybe it was an affirmation or a challenge. I just want to invite you to stand with me as we say these closing prayers. Go ahead, stand up. Say, God, I heard you. I'm listening. I have a spirit of submission just with our hands in front of us with palms facing upward. I want you to receive that word from God. You're making it yours. And I also think that there might be some folks here that when these teenagers were sharing about listening, maybe you don't feel listened to. When these Students were sharing about how there are people who are far from God. Maybe maybe some of us here today are that person. And I can't think of anything better to do than to just pray a sinner's prayer and to submit ourselves to Christ. And if you're far away from Jesus or you know that something needs to be repaired, And you need the forgiveness of Jesus in this moment. Whether it's your first time saying this prayer or whether you're rededicating your life to him. Before we pray, could you just signify that by raising your hand and saying, hey, that's me. I need to make things right with Jesus today. Maybe maybe just looking up at me and making some eye contact and saying, hey, yeah, that's me. I need to make things right with Jesus today. That's you, Pastor. Pray for me. I see you. I got you. Anybody else? I see you. Yeah. Who else? Not not making a big show of it. Just just making just making it aware of like, hey, this is this is something God's speaking through me. Anybody want to join these two? Anybody else? I'd like for everybody to join me in this prayer with loud voices because this is the prayer of salvation this is the prayer that we receive from scripture we say dear Jesus I believe you died for me I believe you rose from the dead to save my soul I don't have to be enslaved things can be right between me and you so may your Holy Spirit fill me I choose to follow you. I receive your love. I declare that you are Lord. And I want to follow you, to serve you, to love you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Can we give God praise for <laughs> the two folks who decide to make that choice? Yeah. And give it up for these teenagers. Welcome yeah. to the
1: Can I just say on behalf of the next generation, to this church, thank y'all. Thank you for creating a space for the next generation uh, on our teams, creating a space for us to fall and then be picked back up. Thank y'all. At this time, I want to call Mike Utley up to um, lead us in our closing image bearer prayer.
4: to support the young people, but I believe it's our responsibility to support these young people. You know, like we've said, Pastor Bo said last week, they aren't the next generation, they're just the young of this generation. So, with your hands raised, and remember as we recite this, which we've done weekly for, for several years now, this is just not something that we recite. This is who we bearers. That's part of our identity in Christ. So think about that as we recite it. It's not just a recital. It's who we are. We are image bearers of the Most High God. We are covered by the love of Jesus. We have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Because of the Holy Spirit's power within us, we will freely and recklessly give away this love of Jesus. We won't hold back Just do it, all right? We won't hold back. Thank you.
1: Thanks, guys. Have a good week.